Welcome to the St. Patrick Catholic Community Podcast in Scottsdale, Arizona. We are Christian Disciples in Mission. My husband, James, um, I serve here at St. Patrick as our Life Teen Youth Minister, and James works at the Franciscan Renewal Center, um, also as their youth minister. And so what we want to invite you, if you can go with us there, um, is just into our living room this morning. Um, It's not uncommon for us that we'll pull a guitar out and just kind of mess around with it a little bit, have some time of prayer, have a time of relaxing and of community. And so I know that... um, we started a little bit um, with some prayer with a great uh, just keynote this morning with just some wonderful things that Becky said about really integrating more prayer into our lives um, and not trying to just add in some extra things and force ourselves into a rhythm that isn't us, but to look at those places in our lives where we're already having touch points with God and to fill those with purpose. And so um, as we begin this time of prayer, I'm going to invite everyone to just stand. And um, if you can... I know we're going to have to walk around a little bit for this, but just get to know some of the people around you. Uh, Find at least two or three other people that you don't know yet and just introduce yourself. And um, let's see, let's do a fun icebreaker question this morning. If you could only eat one thing for the rest of your life and get really specific with this, what's the one thing you would eat every day for the rest of your life if you could? Yep. I love the community that we're uh, forming here this morning, and thank you for uh, just being part of that. And there's something about talking about food that starts making kind of that instant connection of this, like, we all need to eat. But uh, I was thinking about this the other day, and I heard someone say this, and it blew my mind that, you know, God designed us to eat food. Um, Have you ever thought about that? Like, God designed us to eat food to sustain us. We could have licked rocks to get our sustenance, but God... (laughs) designed us to need food in order to sustain us and designed us to have thousands of taste buds so that we could delight in the different foods um, that God has provided for us. So um, as we're starting to enter into the space of prayer this morning, uh, it's just a very concrete way to think about like, Lord, thank you for taste buds. Like, thanks for really good food. Um, And so we're going to have just a brief time of worship this morning. And um, raise your hand if you're a singer that is in this room. That is completely okay, um, and I want to throw that out there because um, <laughs> I know I grew up singing, so did uh, my husband James, and looks like Dan's about half a singer over there, um, and we love to express ourselves that way in prayer and in other ways too, but uh, that worship isn't about the sound of our voice. It isn't about how good we sound. Uh, it's all about praising God for his goodness, and so if you can't carry a tune in a bucket, like, you're welcome here, and this is a place for you, Uh, and so what we're going to pray this morning is, Holy Spirit, you're welcome here. There's going to be some slides up here on the screen that have got those lyrics, and so we just want to teach you uh, the chorus of this song so that we can all join together in this time of focused prayers to learn about what it is that the saints can teach us, Uh, so the chorus sounds like this. Um, and just like we do at Mass, uh, we do what we call Catholic aerobics of, you know, we're sitting, we're kneeling, we're standing. And we do those things because the posture of our bodies can often reflect the posture of our hearts. And so when we stand for the gospel, um, what we're standing for is out of reverence for Jesus and his presence and his voice in the scriptures as he speaks to us. And so during a time of worship, it can be really helpful to express physically maybe the posture of our hearts. And so sometimes to have our hands out in front of us to receive what it is that God's giving us, like if that's a gift, or to offer 
offer something that we feel like we have to the Lord of like, Lord, I need you to take this or to think of maybe of like a small child. And I know a lot of you in here have been parents or grandparents and a little child kind of runs up and is like, mommy, daddy, grandma, grandpa, um, that we can approach our heavenly father in the same way. And that can be really powerful for the way that we pray, uh, that this time of worship is a time for you. And sometimes, um, we need to express that physically so you can continue to stand. You can sit if you'd like to, um, sometimes during worship, I like to kneel, but, uh, that this time is not about anyone looking at you. It's just about you and where you're at. And so we're going to pray that chorus again and invite you to continue to just, um, trust and just to be open to what it is that God has for us this morning. Lord, we come into your presence this morning uh, with gratitude, uh, with joyful hearts for what it is that you have for us today. And so we take a moment to just reflect on our morning um, of maybe the busyness of getting here, the struggle or getting out of, getting out of bed, um, whatever it is that you had to do to get here. Um, that you, Lord, intended every person who is in this room to, to be here with purpose this morning. And so we trust in that presence. We trust in your goodness, Lord. We trust in the way that you've given us your example through the life of your son um, and the way that the saints witness to that in their lives. We praise you, Lord, for the way that you love us and for the ways that you're showing up in our lives right now. Amen. Amen. The Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Spirit. You guys can have a seat. So it's 1202, the year 1202, and a young soldier sits, defeated in battle against a neighboring town. He is captured by enemies as a prisoner of war. During the year he is held captive, he is befallen by illness, which causes him to rethink his life. As a young man, Giovanni di Pietro de Bernardone lived in a lavish lifestyle of luxury and pleasure. Now he started this process of conversion, a time of recognizing what he needed to let go of and paying attention to the one thing of highest importance. One particularly profound moment was hearing a call during prayer to go and rebuild God's house. The man we know as Francis began his journey of transformation and restoration of the people of God. And today we know him best as the patron saint of animals and, you know, the guy with the bird bath. Uh, it is the fourth century and a... Young boy is literally kidnapped by pirates and taken thousands of miles from his home uh, where he is forced into slavery. And throughout this time, uh, he comes to know God. And after six years of being forced to serve, uh, this man that we would come to know as Patrick is able to escape and go back to his home, the man who is now the patron of our parish. And as he gets home and goes back to safety and to his family, uh, that he continues to grow in his faith and eventually says yes to becoming a priest and chooses intentionally to go back to the place where he was enslaved to reach the people of Ireland. 
a man of incredibly deep faith and love for the people um, who said, you know, daily I fear that I might be murdered um, or be under attack in all of these kinds of ways we hear about in this great book of the Confessions of St. Patrick about his life. Um, but he goes on to say, but I fear nothing because I have cast myself into the hands of Almighty God who reigns everywhere. Uh, that this is a man of incredible and deep faith that today we know as the patron saint of green beer. Um, <laughs> it's the year of 1920, and there's an incredible, really handsome uh, Italian young man who is living kind of two lives. He's from a very well-off family in Italy, in Turin, and he actually contracts, I believe it's polio, and dies really, really young. And his family... Um, they're obviously just devastated at the death of their young son, and they walk into the church for his funeral and are stunned to see not just their family and friends there, but this cathedral is packed with hundreds of the homeless of the city because they didn't know that what their son was doing with his time other than mountain climbing, which he loved, and hanging out with his friends, of which he had many, that this was a man who constantly was reaching out to each homeless person in the city. In fact, the last thing that we have of Blessed Pierre Giorgio Frassati, who's on his way to sainthood, the last thing we have of him is a note that he wrote while he was in the hospital dying to remind a friend of his to give medicine to a homeless man who also was ill. Um, these are just some of the incredible stories of what it is to be a modern saint. And I love this picture of, um, of Pierre because, like, look at him. Don't you just want to hang out with him? Um, some of my youth group girls sometimes have been like, they call him Frahadi because he's so handsome. Um, this is a man you want to hang out with. Uh, <clears throat> but these are just some of the stories of saints throughout our church who have lived lives of heroic faith. And so we're going to look at some of that this morning as in this session of MVP, most valuable players of the saints and how they have come to define our church and that this is our call to, to be saints. But before we get there, um, if we were going to ask you what the modern perception of a saint is, I'm going off script here, James. Um, if you were going to ask just anyone you saw on the street today, like some of those like Billy on the street interviews, like what is a saint? Like how would you describe a saint? Um, what do you think are some things that people would say? Holy. Yeah. Exemplary. Selfless. Yeah. And those are all really beautiful and positive things. But I think that our society also has some other words that they would use to describe a saint. If you said, oh, that person is such a saint. Yeah, I think some of the misconceptions that we have around saints is you, you might say, well, they're really a goody two-shoes. Or like that person's really just a rule follower, you know. Um, or maybe they're just really nice. They're really agreeable, you know. Um, um, but in reality, you know, Dorothy Day who is in the process of becoming a saint, said she didn't want to be called a saint um, because she didn't want to be so easily dismissed. And I think sometimes in our society today, it becomes really easy to think, well, if someone's very saintly, it's like, yeah, they're, they're just kind of there. It, it's nice. They look really holy, and that'd be great to live like that, but I, I don't really know. That's not really my life. Uh, I can't really relate with the saints. And so we're going to talk a little bit more about uh, can we really re relate with the saints? You know, who are they? What does it mean to be a saint? So Becky's going to share a little bit of that with us. Yeah, and I keep kind of a list of what I like to call um, 
Catholic words that we act like we know what they mean, but we don't really know what they mean. Uh, up there would be like Hosanna, Alleluia, Triduum. Uh, some of those words that we throw around are words that we even use in our celebration of our faith in the mass. And we're like, I like if you really sat me down and asked me, like, what are the theological points of what the word Hosanna means? I think we would all be kind of like, I think it's a good acclamation of praise, but I'm not really sure. Um, and so we have some really beautiful and helpful resources that our church gives to us. One of the beautiful parts of Catholicism is just so rich uh, that we have this incredible history. We have so many beautiful teachings and the catechism that we have um, actually finds an incredible way to just encompass all of them. And so as we're looking at this idea of what is a saint, what does it mean to be a saint? We're going to look at one of the marks of the church. And there are four marks of the church, which I think is another one of those things that sometimes is hard to be like, yeah, I think that sounds familiar. Off the top of your head, does anyone know what maybe one of the four marks of the church is? is universal mm -hmm. yeah apostolic the church is one apostolic when you say them out of order it gets more confusing um so one holy catholic and apostolic so that's all of them you said catholic is also interchangeable for universal but when we're looking at this pillar of the saints we're looking at this pillar that the church is holy and so <clears throat> I am on the wrong tab, so I'm going to fix that. Uh, the church is holy, and so our catechism says, the church is held as a matter of faith to be unfailingly holy. This is because Christ, the Son of God, who with the Father and the Spirit is hailed as alone holy, and loved the church as his bride, giving himself up for her so as to sanctify her. He joined her to himself as his body and endowed her with the gift of the Holy Spirit for the glory of God. And here's where it gets good. The church then is the holy people of God and her members are called the saints. So that's not just our saint friends that we've started talking about a little bit this morning and Becky talked about. That's us. That's everyone in this room is called to be a saint. That's the name that our church gives us as we're continuing to live this life of faith. And it goes on to say that, all of the activities of the church are directed as toward their end to the sanctification, the holiness of people in Christ and the glorification of God. And as we continue to look at this, it says that by canonizing some of the faithful, by recognizing some of these saints who have gone before us, who have lived their lives in incredible ways of saying yes to God, um, we're solemnly proclaiming that they practice, I love this, heroic virtue, they practiced heroic virtue, and they lived in faithfulness to God's grace. The church recognizes the power of the spirit of holiness within her and sustains the hope of believers by proposing the saints to them as models and intercessors. Uh, does anyone here like the Avengers films? Yeah. Me too. We're big fans. Uh, and as we work with teenagers, the Avengers is one of those really easy ways that we can just find common ground and talk about, like, did you guys see the most recent Avengers movie? And Hey, Becky, who's your favorite Avenger? My favorite Avenger is Captain America because he's the best and he's the most Catholic of all the saints. If you want to talk about that later, come find me. I have a whole <laughs> thing on it. Um, James can never remember his, the name of his favorite Avenger. Really, anytime someone asks me, it just it total blanks out. So I'm like, you know the one with the bow and arrow? But the really funny story is the first time she asked me this, I was wearing the shirt with him on the front with Hawkeye. With the name on course, it. Of course, on the front. The name there, So, but I couldn't remember. You know. <laughs> anyway, how does this relate to the saints? Um, that we can look to the saints in some of the same ways that maybe teens or us sometimes can look to the Avengers. If these are people who are more than 
human, that we can look to them as a model of what like kind of the best of our society can be. Bless you. Um, that the saints and the heroes like the Avengers are the ones who are always running the opposite direction. People are running away from the tragedy, but superheroes and super saints are running towards the tragedy. Um, it's the priest who was the first victim of the 9-11 attacks um, because he rushed towards the building as everyone was running away from it. Um, it is St. Damien of Malachi who went to go work with the lepers in Hawaii when they were scorned by society and went to, went to go live by themselves and had no dignity of life. And he went there because that's what was being neglected. And so we look to them as models of how do we live this heroic life of faith in our own lives, even as we're washing the dishes and we're taking the kids to soccer practice or whatever it is that we're doing. And we can look to them as intercessors, that even though we might look to the saints as being superhuman and we can look at them and say, like, I'm no Mother Teresa, like, I'm not that holy, I can't do this, um, that we know that the saints were just like us. They live fully human lives. They also um, had the propensity to sin. The saints needed to go to confession just as much as I do. And you know, it's been like a little bit. I should probably get to confession. That's a good idea. Um, <laughs> but we can look at the saints and we can look at their lives and their stories and the different ways that they came to faith and the different struggles that each of them have and say, you know what? I can relate to that story. Um, what I love most about St. Cecilia is that she is famous for being the patron saint of musicians, but she's not famous for being the patron saint of musicians because she had a particularly beautiful voice or that she played the organ as she so often depicted or the harp. It's that she sat apart from everyone else during her pagan wedding celebration and sang songs of supplication to God in her heart. And that's what was most catching about her. And that's what we have about her is that she made that the priority. And through her love of God, she ended up, um, coming to a place of sharing her faith with her husband who previously didn't know the Lord and that her husband and his brother came to faith because of her example. And they ended up being martyred for the faith that they had come to because Cecilia had invited them into this life of heroic faith, that we see saints creating other saints and that we can surround ourselves with those people. And so if I've lost something, I'm going to pray to St. Anthony because I know that he lost things and we know that that intercession works. Like being Catholic is great because we could call St. Anthony to help us find that parking spot. Um, <laughs> that these are prayers and these are people who are already cheering us on up in heaven. And the same way that I could go to Jennifer, who's one of our core members over here and say, hey, this is what I've got going on in my life and I really need prayers for that, that I can go to St. Cecilia in prayer if we're going to lead a time of worship and say, Cecilia, I know that you know what it is to pray well through music. And so I ask that um, you could pray for us in this time and just bring that to the feet of the Lord in heaven. Yeah. So one of, one of the uh, most beautiful, amazing things about these saints is their diversity. You know, the fact that they have all of these different life stories. And so we can encounter them and relate with them like, like Becky was saying. Um, but so the question arises, well, what do the saints have in common? And I think... Um, they have probably a, a fair amount of things in common. But one thing in particular that I think is really interesting is that they all had this encounter with God uh, that totally changed everything for them, totally changed their life. Um, that it, they experienced some kind of a turning point where they had to make a choice. And it was like, I'm going to go this way, I'm going to go that way. And they decided to follow the voice, the call of God. And um, it wasn't just an intellectual determination, and for some of them it was. Um, and it wasn't just 
uh, about theology or recognizing something is really beautiful, but it was really about this experience of a, a relationship with an actual person, that God is a, is a person, and that Jesus came to be with us, to be present to us in a way that only human beings can understand being with one another. And so um, I think it's just really beautiful that we have that connection with them. And so we are also being called in every moment by God. Throughout all of time and throughout creation, God is calling out to us and wanting to encounter us in a very specific way, wanting to encounter you where you are right here, right now, where you are tomorrow and whatever's going on then. And so um, we're going to explore and talk a little bit about that. Yeah, I think two of the stories that I really love about just kind of those moments for some of these saints that were standout moments for them where they had to decide, you know, am I really going to respond to the call of God or am I going to continue just kind trying to live a normal life? Um, we have really big devotion to St. Francis and St. Clair of Assisi. And so um, St. Francis, like he was talking about at the beginning, had gone through kind of a typical life of a middle-class, merchant-class Italian man at the time and had tried his hand at being in the military and he was not good at it and he was a prisoner of war and something about those times and experiences started to like some ignite something in him of a desire for more and as he was feeling kind of this restlessness in himself one of the things that we know about his story is that um, he was in a little chapel that's actually smaller than the room that we're in right now that was falling apart and um, there was a beautiful crucifix in there that was just stunning and covered in gold and it was really weird that it was there which is a whole other historical story because there's no reason that this like incredible holy art piece should have been in a falling down chapel but there it was and as he was sitting there and kind of feeling this restlessness within him he heard Christ speak to him from that crucifix Francis go rebuild my house which as you can see is falling down and so he set himself to the work of rebuilding all of these little chapels with stones and then eventually came to realize that what God was asking him to do was not with like the stones on the ground, but the living stones of the people of God. That Francis um, started a renewal in the church that was huge at the time because the church had come to a place of really just being about rules and really being very stringent about many things, and it was missing a lot of people. And what Francis was able to bring back to our understanding and our celebration of our Catholic faith was this tenderness and this earthiness of like, Jesus was born as a baby. Um, we can thank St. Francis for how big the Feast of Christmas is in our lives as a church because he reinvigorated that feast by doing the first living nativity since it had actually happened in Bethlehem. And similar to that, St. Francis, um, St. Clair heard St. Francis speaking as he continued to hear this call. And she was from a really well-off family and they were trying to marry her off to all of these men. And she was just like, I don't want to do that. There's something <laughs> like about, that, about this little poor man who's walking around talking about Jesus that I can't ignore. And so she chose to leave her family and she ended up starting the women's portion of the Franciscan order with the poor Claire's. And I love that Becky mentioned this this morning that St. Clair said, we become what we love. And so as she had devoted her, her life to this life of prayer and work that, um, St. Clair would go on to say that for her, the cross became the mirror. The same cross that spoke to Francis became her mirror because that's what she would put herself in front of every day. And Claire said, um, 
of looking at the crucifix, crucifix, gaze upon him, consider him, contemplate him as you desire to imitate him. You know, if you look at the sun for too long and you close your eyes and you can just see the like the outline of the sun in your mind, even with your eyes closed, that becomes kind of imprinted and it kind of hurts. Um, or if you look at something too long, whether that's a TV or a wall, or like if I'm just going to stare at this portrait over here, that if I'm going to close my eyes, what eventually I'm going to see when I close my eyes is that rectangle and that shape. But the cross for her became that image that she could close her eyes and it was still there within her, that that was a choice that she made. And so what we'd like to invite you to right now is just a time of consideration of what have been some of those encounters that you've had with God throughout your life that have been some of those standout moments for you. Um, that maybe one time you went to mass and things really connected, or you had a time of prayer where you were out hiking and just saw the beauty of creation. Um, or maybe a friend really ministered to you by asking you a question in which you felt really seen. And so as we're just going to have this time of reflection, I invite you to just get comfortable. I know we've got some journals in front of you. Sometimes it'd be really helpful to write down kind of what happened and to think about those specific details in that season of our lives that we may have been in in those times. Or maybe for you sitting here and being like, you know, I'm a lifelong Catholic, but I, I don't know that I could say that I've had a particular encounter with God that's really powerful to me. And I want you to know that that's okay too. And so as we begin this time of just reflection of kind of you heading into what St. Teresa of Avila called the interior castle, like Becky talked about this morning, um, James is just going to play a little bit just to kind of set the tone in that way. And so we're going to invite you to about five minutes of that reflection time. And so we have just a few minutes uh, remaining, and um, what we want to invite you to in this time is either to, one, continue just kind of dwelling in those memories and um, to think about those things and to ask God to, to continue to be with you. And um, sometimes we just need more reflection time than we're getting. I know that's definitely true for me. So um, that's invitation number one. Uh, invitation number two is if you would like to share just a little bit about what your experience um, with God has been and some of those moments for you. And uh, maybe also to look at what are some ways that you feel like you're encountering God during your life right now. Um, so option one, continue to reflect. Option two, uh, find maybe two people to just share your experience with. Our time together for uh, this focus breakout on uh, the saints is drawing to a close, but here's what we would like to um, continue to invite you into. Uh, we're going to have a tailgate party in just a few minutes in the middle of the parking lot, which is really exciting. It's going to be really fun, uh, but it's a nice walk over there, and I know that some of you are really having those great conversations to continue to have those conversations. And Mother Teresa, who I think Everyone who is alive still knows who she is, uh, but has become kind of this model for sainthood in the modern world. And 
when people started being really impacted by who she was and what she was doing, all these people started flocking to Calcutta where she was. Um, and that became an issue because it could only hold so many people. And what she started saying was, go find your own Calcutta, um, that there are hurting and wounded people everywhere, um, that there is a mission everywhere and that God is everywhere. And so to find your own Calcutta, and one of the things that she said that I think is most beautiful is um, so often that place for us is to go home and to love our families. And so um, as we go forth from this particular breakout into our tailgate party that's some food for thought but thank you so much for being here with us today we really loved having this time with you it was so good to be with you guys today thank you